What you are about to listen to could be dangerous for anyone wishing to live a normal, safe life at the end of a cheesy cul-de-sac. Back to Jerusalem podcasts are not made in sterile recording studios with professional DJs, but instead behind enemy lines with horrible acoustics, bad internet connections, and suspicious-looking coffee. Listening to Back to Jerusalem podcast could include unwanted side effects like selling your house, leaving your boring job, and uncontrollable desires to speak strange foreign languages. So buckle up, strap in, and hold on, because this is Fast Train, baby, to all those places your mother warned you about. And now, for your host, the man known for having a radio face, Eugene Bach, coming to you live on delay in 5, 4, 3, 2... Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I am Eugene Bach and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Shanghai. Today, that beginning that you just heard, that is a group that I just spent time with of over 20, I think there was 22 people there, 22 missionaries who feel called to leave their life here in China and go and serve in Iraq. It was a phenomenal time. I was able to spend the entire day together with them. I, <laughs> it only occurred to me at the very end that maybe I should record a little bit of the wonderful singing. I mean, the, the singing that you just heard that was recorded with my little device as we were on our knees uh, in the middle of this hotel room, everybody was packed into this small little hotel room, and we were on the floor, on our knees, and just singing and praying, and it was a, an amazing time. The reason why I just wanted to do a quick podcast is because I think it's good to stop and evaluate the people and the character of the individuals that we are talking about when we are referring to back to Jerusalem missionaries that are serving on the field. Who are these people? Are these like super Christians that have gone through years of Bible study and they can quote the Bible word for word, verse for verse, uh, without even blinking? Are these individuals that are superhuman, (laughs) that never fail, that don't have any faults, they've been persecuted, and they're just gung-ho for Christ all the time. Well, I think a lot of people are surprised when they come to China and they meet with these missionaries for the very first time. Sometimes they don't know exactly what to expect So I don't think they really know who they're meeting when they meet them. Let me give you an example. A couple years ago, I was traveling with the pastor of IHOP Atlanta, Pastor Billy Humphrey. And he comes into China. And I was telling him about this pastor who was a pastor of about 5 million believers. 
or he was a, he was a top pastor within the he he shares the leadership with five other individuals. Um, at the time, he was the second in charge of his network. Today, he is the top person in charge of that five person network because his, the the person that was in charge tragically this year in February, only a couple months ago, passed away while traveling to church on a Sunday morning. Uh, he was in a car accident. He and his wife. For whatever reason, they drifted into the wrong lane and hit a truck head-on. So I was telling Pastor Billy about this pastor, Pastor Joshua, who I have written about in the past. I have traveled with extensively, not just in China, but around the world, especially in the 1040 window, the land between the walls, the area between the Great Wall of China and the Western Wall of Jerusalem. So we go to meet with him, and, I'm, and, I, and I can't imagine what Billy had thought, he, or what, you know, what kind of image he had in his head of this person that he's going to meet, this pastor that he's going to meet. Because, I mean, think about it. If you're in the U.S. and you have a thousand people in your church, you're a, you're a pretty big deal, right? I mean, you have your own secretary, you have your own staff. You have your own office. People don't come into your office without an appointment. Um, you are thought of as a pretty significant person in your community if you have a thousand. This pastor is in charge of more people in his church than the country of Finland. And so I can only imagine what Pastor Billy and, and many others from around the U.S., think about when they come and they meet with these kind of pastors. So Pastor Billy, we were walking into a hotel. We were in a city in southern China and um, outside of Shenzhen, which is right on the border of Hong Kong. And we had uh, been talking about pa the Pastor Joshua. And, you know, I was I was I, I often move really fast. If you ever travel with me, I'm not a tour guide. Anybody that has traveled with me would, would let you know that I'm not very good at explaining things. I just kind of move and I hope that you keep up. Uh, that's just the way that I usually do things. When I'm on the field, when I'm traveling with people, even though we have this podcast and I try to pour out a lot in the podcast, when I'm traveling with people, I actually share very little uh, and I don't know why that is. I'm kind of a quiet traveler, even though I might be a loudmouth on podcast and share a lot of things. And I enjoy speaking and sharing with churches and groups and universities about the things that God is doing in China and the 1040 window or the land between the walls. When I'm traveling, I basically kind of think, shut down. I do a lot of writing. I have to do a lot of reports, especially for the website, um, thinking about what I'm going to be talking about for this podcast. So when I'm traveling with Pastor Billy, I'm not exactly giving him details. So it didn't even hit me that we had already seen Pastor Joshua. He had already greeted us as we got out of the car to go into our hotel. And then Pastor Billy, as we're standing at the hotel, he just asks me randomly, so when are we going to be meeting with, with this pastor? And it, it escaped me that I never even made the introduction when we did see each other. And I said, actually, you, you already met him. And he goes, I did. I said, yeah, he's the one carrying your bags. Pastor Joshua met us as we got out of the car. He and I are old friends. We don't stand on ceremony, as they say in Chinese. 
So, you know, we don't spend a lot of time telling each other how good it is to see each other. Hey, how are you doing? Great to see you. Quick hug, kind of a brotherly pat where the brotherly pat, the, the, the Eugene Bach hug is usually right hand shake and left hand hug at the same time. That's kind of the, the Eugene Bach hug. Um, quick, you know, grab your hand, shake it, hug at the same time, and then move on about your business. And that's what Joshua and I do that he and I are used to working in that way. That's kind of our MO. And pastor Billy was, you know, wondering when he was going to be meeting this pastor, because I think that he might've thought, you know, that he had not been, he had not met with pastors from China before he had met with brother Yun, but this was his first time kind of being exposed to underground house church pastors inside of China. And he, I think that there may have been, now he didn't say this and, and I may be wrong on this. Pastor Billy might correct me on this, but you know, I can imagine that he could have been foreseeing a big introduction, you know, kind of an entourage, uh, kind of sitting at a table and, and I tell him now the pastor's coming, you know, now he's coming in, you know, let's, let's stand up and welcome him or, you know, and, and of course we extend respect but that's these guys, the way that they roll, the way that we, we, we talk when, when we come into meetings. I mean, many of them will come into meetings with mud on their boots from the field. They had just come straight from the field. They're not wearing anything special. They're not dressed in any special way. They, they blend in on the streets very, very easily. They don't go by pastor. I call Pastor Joshua, Pastor Joshua, but nobody else calls him Pastor Joshua. They call him older brother. Or Brother Joshua. Everybody is Brother Joshua. That's why we call Brother Yun, Brother Yun. Not evangelist. Or There's no titles that go along with the people that are in the underground church in China. The titles are target indicators. You know, it's kind of like the, in the military, if you were an officer, you kind of wanted to cover that stuff up, right? You don't, you don't want the enemy to see that this is the brass. This is the area that you're aiming for. Uh, it's the same way in China. They're not trying to draw particular attention to themselves. They blend in. And Pastor Joshua was carrying our bags. So he didn't just blend in. He blended in as, you know, kind of one of the helpers at the hotel. And Pastor Billy walked away from that trip and he said, wow, I thought I understood servanthood. I, he, he told me, I, I've talked about it. I've preached about it. I've written about it. But these guys take it to a completely different level. And that's what I experienced when I was with the Chinese today here in Shanghai. We had over 20 people come together. That have a heart to serve in the northern part of Iraq. And as I spent time with them, I was amazed at the age. The normal age in that room was around early 20s. There were three couples that had just been married within the last week. And this was their commitment to each other. That as they got married, they swore to one another that they would serve beside one another and die beside one another, if need be, on the mission field, serving the call of Jesus Christ on their lives. Tears were flowing in that room as the Chinese were down on their knees, praying for the people in Iraq. And I couldn't help but just be moved by the Spirit and think to myself, 
is this the kind of passion that was a part of the first century church? Is this the kind of attitude that the disciples must have had and the disciples of the disciples? Is this the kind of heart that Jesus wanted to convey and pass on to the disciples when he gave them the great commission? When he himself walked into Jerusalem and cried over the city because he had so much passion for it. As I heard the Chinese praying, crying out to God, not in some rhythmic pattern that is meant for the ears of other people, but we're talking about sobbing, deep crying coming out. You can hear this, this, this inner groaning coming out of these Chinese as they were on their knees before a great and mighty God, swearing to give their lives over to him. It was an amazing sight, and it made me stop Record just the last part. I'm sorry, I'm pretty selfish. You you have a person that is giving out a podcast in a very selfish way because I could have recorded much more of those moving prayers, but I didn't because I was enjoying them. I was lost in the moment, unable to think about what this would look like for a report. I didn't take any pictures with my phone. I didn't even think about it till we were almost at the final amen. So the prayer that you heard, the music that was singing, that was the wrapping up. That was the completion. I was able to find my senses only for a moment to reach over into my bag to grab this recording device thinking, oh yeah, maybe other people besides me might want to hear this. So I went ahead and started to record. And I thought that it would be Interesting for our supporters to get yet another glimpse of what takes place when you are supporting back to Jerusalem. That we are serving some amazing people. You're not serving me. You're not giving to me. I am an ambassador. I get to enjoy the things that you're praying for. I get to see the results of your donations. I get to, in the best of my ability, when I'm not thinking of myself first and being lost in the moment of, of prayer and, and just being completely raptured with, with the praise that was going up from the lips of the Chinese that were there, I, 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 was, I was caught up in the spirit. But when you are supporting back to Jerusalem, it was those young Chinese men and women that were on their knees that are ready to go out of China and serve. Those are the people that you are standing beside. Those are the people that you are supporting. And I just wanted to quickly give a, 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 an introduction to them, make a podcast, because I, I'm kind of still in the moment a bit. Also within the room was a woman that's almost 60 years old. And she felt kind of out of place in the very beginning because she felt that God has called her to Iraq specifically. She didn't know where she was called, but then she felt that God had started to point her and 
and tell her Iraq, but she didn't even know what that meant. She had never even heard of Iraq. She, she, this, this woman is from the, the countryside. She doesn't really watch a lot of TV or news. She spends most of her time outside in the fields. And she said, but God, how could you use me? I don't speak the language. I'm more than 50 years old. How am I supposed to learn a new culture now? How am I supposed to leave my homeland now? I would be out of place in the city. She was here in Shanghai. And she said, I'm out of place here. How am I supposed to thrive in Iraq? And she was so confused and she felt so inadequate. She felt so out of place. She's uneducated. She, she, she doesn't feel capable of learning a new language and she doesn't feel worthy of serving on the field. She feels that, you know, God can choose someone so much better than her. And I, and I listened to her speak in the humbleness and the way that she referred to herself. And I was touched because I thought of those young ladies in Northern Iraq that have been raped. I thought of those ladies who have been escaped from slavery, from ISIS, and have just now arrived in an area that's safer, and how we have an opportunity to serve them, providing a safe house, providing training and counseling. And I looked at her and I thought, what a great mother you would be. What a great mother figure you would be to these young ladies in the safe house. Maybe you couldn't communicate with words at first, but wow, your heart would communicate so much. The love that you would be able to give. She's a worker bee. I can tell just by looking at her, she's a worker bee. She, she shows love through the gift of giving. I could see her cleaning and cooking and making the beds all nice and comfortable for these young ladies who have just come out of slavery. And as I sat in that room, and I got the last few minutes of prayer and praise. And I was able to record it. I thanked God for allowing me to be in this environment. To be living in this day and age. To see the church rising up in China. And moving into the area between the Great Wall of China and the Western Wall of Jerusalem. Thank you so much for supporting Back to Jerusalem. Supporting the work and the missionaries that are going into that area. May God bless you, and thank you for listening to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Shanghai. God bless. There's a simple way for us to help ISIS victims. Drink tea. It's that simple. By drinking a cup of Back to Jerusalem Chinese tea, you will bring hope to the refugees displaced by ISIS. It is a healthy way to make a difference. So invite friends and family to your home for a Bible study round a warm pot of organic Chinese tea. Does your church have a cafe? Add Back to Jerusalem tea to the menu. All profits go to help ISIS victims in Iraq and Syria. My name is Jung, and I am an unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. It is considered quite dangerous for me to share the contents of this book, 
but these are stories that need to be told for God's glory and the encouragement of the church. So begins the extraordinary first-person account of a prominent leader of one of the largest underground churches in China. This dramatic true story is told in Back to Jerusalem's latest book, I Stand with Christ by Eugene Bach. I Stand with Christ is a detailed account about a former Communist Party member who took a stand for his faith in Jesus and was targeted for prison, work camps, and torture. See how he goes from the prison cell of China's maximum security prison to leading one of the largest underground house churches of 10 million believers. Be amazed at this true story of suffering, sacrifice, and triumph. I Stand With Christ is available at www.backtojerusalem.com or where books are sold.